Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Mike is off this morning. I'm Bruce Claggett in for him. Well, Daniel Smith and the United Conservative Party got a big win on Monday night. And yes, they did lose a few seats to the NDP, but... By all accounts, this has got to be something that is a celebration for Danielle Smith continuing on as Premier and a bit of a rethink for the NDP in Alberta. But the question still remains, what does this mean for us here in British Columbia? Can we have, at times, a united voice, a voice that we need from the West when it comes to, say, pushing the federal government for more considerations, things that both benefit B.C. and Alberta. And what about those differences between our two provinces? Can they be resolved when you have two premiers of two very different political stripes? Well, let's talk about the first one. Danielle Smith has warned Justin Trudeau about the economy and jobs taking a hard push on this one. The Prime Minister is already ready to introduce a de facto production cap on our oil and gas sector that, if implemented... If implemented, will result in tens of thousands of jobs lost. Well, there we go. A very Alberta and possibly Canadian-centric approach to uh, the oil and gas sector. And Danielle Smith making some very strong comments there. Well, let's bring in Stuart Prest, political scientist lecturer at SFU. Good morning, Stuart. Let's start with the obvious question. Uh, Friends or foe when it comes to David Eby and Danielle Smith? Uh, it's a good question. I think it's really going to be context-dependent. I think they can be friends of convenience when it makes sense to do so, say when they're asking for more money from the federal government for, for health care. But when it comes to other files, particularly environmental files, I think they're going to more often than not find themselves on opposite sides of the debate. So it's going to be a an issue-by-issue issue, uh, relationship, I think. Now, let's start with these pro-issues, the ones that maybe have some unity between two different premiers of two different political stripes, as I mentioned, when we're seeking things like a Western voice or Western considerations, what will they find agreement on in pushing for action from the federal government? Well, the uh, the example of the, the health care file is a, a pretty good one of the ways in which uh, premiers can find ways to, to link arms and, and work with one another across ideological differences in pushing the federal government to come to uh, to the table and then bring additional funding for, for health spending. We, we saw uh, uh, David Eby able to work with uh, uh, Daniel Smith and, and, and Doug Ford. And so on those kinds of files, whenever there is a a common cause where the provinces have a shared interest in really pushing the federal government to to do something a little bit different uh, differently and above all to to spend more money and to send it to the province's way 
I think there's going to be a sound basis for agreement, and we might see similar sorts of issues with regard to things like education spending, for uh, support for for jobs training, and and those sorts of files, and and for funding for infrastructure, for for municipal development, uh, additional funding for housing, all those kinds of issues where the provinces are are really up against it to try to keep up with the demands for a growing uh, country, growing provinces. But but I think there are only so many issues where we can find that, that kind of uh, common front. And that definitely is a difference when it comes to B.C. and, well, Alberta, uh, David Eby and Daniel Smith. Uh, one is going to have a very much a stick approach and uh, very adversarial with Justin Trudeau. And the other, David Eby, may be a little bit softer in an approach. Is that going to make a difference, do you think? Oh, certainly. I think uh, we have seen the the BC NDP uh, throughout their time in office, both under Mr. Horgan and now under Mr. Eby, we see that they are able to to work well with the BC Liberal, uh, sorry, the federal Liberal government, and 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 I think that's going to continue. And in some cases, that may even be to the advantage of of premiers who uh, to be able to have that kind of carrot and stick approach where. There are premiers like Mr. Eby who can can work with the federal government to put together proposals, while at the same time we have uh, more relative hardliners like like Mitt Smith uh, there to to make it clear that the provinces are not simply going to to roll over for for the federal government and get out of the way. And so I think when again when the the interests are in, in line with one another, that the provinces are going to be able to to work together. But then there are going to be other issues where. Mr. Eby is going to find himself in alignment, I think, with the federal government, and and uh, Ms. Smith will be very much on the opposite side. And here we're talking about things like caps for emissions, just as we heard in that, that audio clip to, at the start of yeah. the, uh, the segment. And very much so when we talk about some of those challenges, are we looking at the environment being number one in kind of the tension between B.C. and Alberta now? I think so. There are some ways in which uh, on the, the natural resource file more broadly, Alberta and BC do have some shared interests. The, the, the BC NDP continued to provide some support for natural gas initi- initiatives here, and, and there, there is the, the reality of the, the, the pipelines passing through the, the province already. So, so there are some ways in which we've seen the, the NDP either actively involved in the energy file or, or acquiescing to it. But when it comes to uh, ramping up Canada's efforts to try to, to reduce its carbon footprint and really transition the economy towards that low carbon footing that everyone has uh, more or less agreed is necessary at some point in the future. And even the, the UCP in Alberta has, has acknowledged that at some point we should get to a carbon neutral uh, footing. And I think in those kinds of, on those kinds of issues, we're going to see the, the, the BC NDP and Mr. Eby really continuing to push, finding ways to, to move forward. And, and uh, Alberta under uh, Ms. Smith will just be nothing but trying to move as slowly as possible to try to protect those those lucrative oil patch jobs. Let's talk a little bit about David Eby's political fortunes coming up and what he may have read into, if there's anything that can be read into, the results in Alberta. Albertans are a different sort and their politics are very different. But can you read the room or see anything happening there if you are David Eby's top advisor saying, you know what, this is the mood right now and something to be aware of? 
I think if anything, they can take some solace from the the results where even in a place like Alberta, which, as you say, is a very different political culture from from B.C., we saw a coalition looking very much like the B.C. NDP do do um, quite well in in this election and and when they were the, the the Alberta NDP were able to win using that sort of centrist message that we that cautious left of center incrementalist message that we have associated with the BC NDP here using that kind of message we're going to do what we can but not move too fast too far they were able to to run the table in Edmonton and fight uh, the UCP to a draw in, in Calgary which historically is very conservative and so I think they can they can take some solace from that that in urban areas, in areas where people are, are aware of the need for government support for things like infrastructure and housing and action on, on the environment, uh, th- those kinds of messages resonate. And we have uh, significantly more of those places in BC than, than there is in Alberta. So I, I think they could look at this with some cautious optimism. Okay, Stuart Press, political scientist and lecturer over at SFU. Let's expand this out. Same sort of question, but from a federal lens. If you are with uh, Justin Trudeau's war room and taking a look at the result and giving advice here, would you say that this is something as a result that uh, you need to be worried about, or is it just Alberta? I think uh, the Liberals have to be a, a little concerned with it. There, too, they, they may be able to take some follows from the fact that the UCP really had to... to uh, uh, sort of uh, trim its sails in order to to win this victory, and they really had to shy away from some of the more radical messaging that we heard from Ms. Smith in her leadership campaign. So this looked more like a, a, a typical Canadian party than we thought the UCP might actually look like under under Ms. Smith, at least to this point. But now now they have this this ample mandate, and they are free to really push hard in in some of those more radical directions, uh, uh, fighting for constitutional autonomy for Alberta and so on. And so I think it'd be a real concern. That this is uh, evidence that that polarizing rhetoric that that we have heard from right of center, more populist politicians like Ms. Smith and like Pierre Polyev can win elections in 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 some jurisdictions in the country. And so I think there would be real concern about that, and and there would be uh, a necessity to try to find some ways to reach out to those those reachable those uh, those urban voters that uh, were willing to vote for for the NDP in Alberta, and just try to uh, find them wherever they can across the country. And I think we're uh, we're in for more polarized politics as a result, looking for that, uh, pick, just picking up every vote they can on on their side of that divide. You mentioned uh, uh, polarized politics, but uh, what about that constitutional autonomy? Is that a, going to continue to be an issue, or at some point are we going to see a cap put on that one? Well, we've seen Alberta uh, move away from some of the more radical uh, claims or, or uh, initiatives on, on that front so far. But but with a, a new majority and four years to work with, you could see that Alberta may uh, look for some ways to, to retool their, their claims and, and try once again to, to find ways to, if not change the constitution at least win political uh make political hay out of that that issue trying to make ottawa out to be the villain and to try to make the case for more local government uh, something like an alberta firewall uh, those kinds of those kinds of claims to really try to emphasize that uh for whoever you are in 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 the province ottawa is the problem and and uh, the the local government is the solution and we can expect other politicians across canada to look at that playbook it's an old 
old one in Canadian politics, but but this is the current version of it, and they may try to use it as well. We are certainly seeing it in in Quebec as well. So I think there is uh, more of that style of rhetoric to come, and we're going to have to uh, monitor that issue going forward. Monitor indeed. Interesting four years ahead, Stuart Press. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime.